The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm your host, Bobby Williams. Glad to have you here. Please subscribe to the show every week, a new episode, every week. When you have a child that's been through trauma, especially when it's trauma that has come from some of their closest relationships, it can be incredibly difficult. Often, that trauma can show up in ways that leave you feeling a little bit helpless. As always, we are here with a little bit of support. Our guests are Penny Mickle and Stephanie Rodriguez. They work with families along with the University of Washington to teach trust-based relational intervention. Their methods and ideas can make a huge impact on helping a child who's been through a lot. Let's check it out. Sure, relational trauma is trauma that has happened within a relationship. So often the parent-child relationship. So when we think about the child welfare system, we're thinking about um, typically like abuse and neglect. Mm. So what does TBRI look like? Are there ways that it's different than traditional parenting? Well, the fun thing about TBRI is all about relationship at the core. So it's relationship, relationship, relationship. So in that way, It's wonderful for um, any sort of parenting, whether you are parenting kids who are healing from trauma um, or um, really any relationship you have with children. So, but the really cool thing from my experience as a a parent and adoptive parent who is parenting kids who are healing from trauma is that it not only gives you the education around trauma and attachment and all of those things, but it also gives you kind of a concrete intervention for like, here are some things I can do, implement in my home, in my relationships that can have a healing impact on my family. So that's kind of the exciting thing. What are some of the things you can do that maybe you wouldn't normally think of? Yeah, I mean, they're it's so fun because it's as simple and as easy to implement as like making sure kids are hydrated and fed every two hours. So we're talking about maintaining hydration and appropriate blood sugar levels um, to like a, a intervention method for how do I intervene in, in behaviors? Like what, what level is this behavior and how can I intervene in it in an appropriate way? Um, and so they use um, the three principles, the empowering principles to meet the regulation and physical needs of children, the connecting principles to meet the relational needs of children, and then also the correcting principles to disarm fear-based behaviors. So the hydration, you keep them hydrated. If they're having a tough time, is it an answer to be like, here, have a protein pack and a glass of water? It is. I'm going to hand that one off to Penny because this is one of her favorite things to talk about. Yeah. And yeah, that's something that I talk with uh, caregivers all the time is that when kids start, I'm going to use my hand model, right? Become dysregulated. The first thing that should pop into their brain, into caregiver's brain, first thing they should think about is when, when's the last time did I feed and water this child, Mm. right? And I don't know about you, but as an adult, I become hangry, right? And just like Stephanie had talked about that, you know, there's even, you know, they're advertising that word isn't Snickers. It's like, are you hangry? Right? Get your candy bar. 
And this is just the same with our kids. And I always tell, you know, um, adults that you think about our brain like a, a battery and that our brain needs protein and hydration in order for it to, to operate optimally. And I always think about like some of our kids are like energizer bunnies, right? Uh, and so they burn through their battery juice a lot quicker than we do at times. And they really don't have that emotional regulation to understand just like us. Well, sometimes we don't either when we get really grumpy and we say, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm hangry. Or sometimes our kids do ask for our need, their needs to be met, like right before dinner time when all there's these wonderful meal or smells are happening. And of course, a child comes to you and says, I'm hungry. And, you know, can I have, you know, a snack? And a lot of times what we hear caregivers is like, you know, nope, we need to wait. Dinner's going to be happening in 10 minutes. And then this is what we see with our kids. They become so dysregulated because they're coming to you asking for a need to be met that needs. To, and for our kids, especially for some of our kids who have food insecurities, this is life or death, right? And for us to, to um, the, the other thing we talk about in TBRI is about filling their yes bank. And so here's a great opportunity. It's like, you know what? Dinner's going to be ready in about 10 minutes. So how about right now you can have like, um, a cheese stick or an egg. And then, you know, to, so, and then you'll be tied over until dinner happens. Hmm. So you say filling your yes bank. I'm interpreting that as when you can say yes, say yes. Yep. You got it. Yeah. We talk about filling their yes bank. Um, and cause how many times do we say no or don't to kids in a day or people? Right. And so, and as you, you know, Bobby, because you've talked with multiple people around parenting stuff, is there's a lot of times when our, we say no to our kids or our kids say no, what happens to them, right? They get dysregulated. And yeah. so the more we can try to fill their yes bank or think about ways, it's like, well, you know, yes, we can do that after we do this, right? That's kind of a way of filling their yes bank. Uh, it's still a yes, even if it's a conditional yes. Mm-hmm. So you talk about relational, then what is that piece of this? Relational is just like, it's about building relationships. Um, the other thing I believe what, for me, what relational means is um, that to have caregivers understand that some of the behaviors that our children display uh, is or have been um, survival behaviors that they needed to develop in, you know, from where they came from just to survive. Um, so the, when we talk about trust-based relational intervention and those tools that we give to caregivers is to really to have caregivers have this understanding um, and come from a place of empathy in, instead of saying, you know, what's wrong with this child, but what has happened to this child. So it sounds like part of what you're saying is not just focusing on this child is misbehaving, but what is the reasoning behind this misbehavior? Yeah, yeah. It's, we always talk to our caregivers that sometimes we become um, need to become behavior detectives. And like I said earlier, is when you know kids start becoming dysregulated, right? First thing that should pop into their brain is when's the last time I did I feed and water the child? But also to really validate their feelings is like I see that you're having a real hard time right now, buddy. And, you know, let's uh, try to help figure this out. 
Yeah, talking about the food insecurity, I worked with a youth that would always store a bunch of stuff in their room, and that was obviously a trauma behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 sur that survival behavior that we were talking about, right? Yeah. And that's, that's a really common behavior that we see um, and that a lot of our caregivers talk about, so... What's the answer to that then? You don't want a child storing stuff in their room. What can you do? Or how do you start to approach that from a TBRI perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think always we're thinking about um, building felt safety with the child. So helping them feel safe. And apparently food is an issue that they're not feeling safe around, that they're not sure that it's going to be there, even though we know as caregivers, right, that they're going to have access to food. Their experience has not taught them that. Um, so depending on the situation, we might, in fact, um, allow the youth to keep food in their room. We might have to strategize with them around um, things like how do we keep it in a way that doesn't contribute to ants or <laughs> little furry friends. Um, but so some caregivers have had good success with having like a, a box of, of foods that are like granola bars and things like that that are, are wrapped for them. So um, we want to let them know how, how they can access food. Um, and often, um, some parents will have like a yes basket on their, in their, maybe on their island or their counter where there's always food that kids can access. So giving them access to foods. Penny talked about even a great example of, you know, maybe 10 minutes before dinner, all those smells really got a kiddo worried about food, right? And so they needed to have it, it right then. Um, and so that was an, another way that you could meet that food need. Of course, it's going to take time. Right, they're going to need to know over time that food is available to them. So I wouldn't expect it to be resolved right away, but you can start by building that felt safety with kiddos. It sounds like a core piece of this would be consistency and proving over time, like you're not, you're a safe person, you're not going to blow up. It, it seems like what you're talking about also ties into the fear piece. Can you expand on that a little bit? Penny talked a little bit about survival behaviors, right? And so um, a lot of our kids are coming from kind of a fear-based um, background where um, they're, they weren't sure how adults were going to react, right? They weren't sure if they were going to be safe, that unsafe things and scary things had happened to them. So they're coming at things from a fear-based perspective. Um, and, and consistency, you're right. Although we're not perfect parents, right? So another big thing about TBRI is if we do make a mistake, um, then we're going to repair. So understanding both that uh, we want to provide consistency and then at times we're going to need to also seek repair with our children. Um, and so another tenet of TBRI is um, being playful um, because and playing with our children because play disarms fear, right? It's not possible to be playful and fearful at the same time. So that's a way we can connect with kiddos. That's also a way we can teach new skills through play. So there um, is that avenue as well for working around the fear-based behaviors. When I was working with foster families, something we talked with them about is kids are going to test you and they're always testing. And it's okay if you fail those tests sometimes because you're going to get another chance and another chance and another chance to try to get it right. Every week almost, it feels like we're talking on the show about remaining calm in the face of misbehavior or challenging situations. And I'm sure that ties into what you're talking about here too. Yeah, that's a big piece is, you know, it's those lovely mirror neurons, right? Is that if, um, 
it's and it's I it's our job is that when kids become dysregulated, you know, um, not to you know match them in intensity. Um, and one of the quotes that um, Stephanie talks about all the time is that we need when there's the intensity of a behavior, an adult needs to attach the intensity of with empathy. Mm. So that it's you know. They, a lot of our kids um, have a hard time self-regulating. And so we need that adult who can keep their brain regulated to come alongside them to help get their brain back into, um, so from, coming from dysregulated to regulate. And that's where we need to be to help bring them back in. And they, we need to come alongside them. And just even like when it's interesting, they, you know, research shows that if we're we're breathing really slow, that if you're next to somebody that they start, um, their breathing slows down too. So it's kind of that we talk about in TBRI, we talk about matching behavior and matching behavior means even mirroring, you know, if they're sitting with their legs crossed, that you do that too. And it's, it's kind of gives them that, um, a message that we talk about in TBRI all the time is that seen, heard, and valued. That you are seen, heard, and and give them a sense of a sense of agency. And the other thing we talk a lot about in TBRI is about giving, allowing children to have their voice. And when you are sitting alongside of them and helping them regulate, we also talk about connection before correction, right? So we're making a connection. It's really about our brain reconnecting. And then talking to the child about, you know, wow, that was a big emotion that that what we went through. And it's like, how how might we be able to deal with that some that differently? And another thing that we talk about in uh, TBRI is about doing a redo and doing that playful engagement. It's like, you know what? That was really tough. How about we read? Why don't we do a redo and redo that and try something different? A lot of interesting ideas there. It makes me think about, too. They say when you're hanging out with someone you like, you mirror their behaviors or maybe part of how they talk or how they position themselves. So it seems like you're sending a message to the kid too, like, I like you. And you're kind of being the yin to their yang, like for how amped up they are, you're trying to be calm and counterbalance in a way. So say a child is having a total meltdown. Can you kind of walk us quickly through these steps? Like the kid is throwing something and just screaming. How do you intervene and what do you do? Just A, B, C. Yeah, so if, if we have a kiddo who's to that level, thinking about the TBRI intervention, that would really be a level three behavior, which means that we're just gonna focus on calming down right now. Um, because whatever else, you know, obviously we have a child who is dysregulated, um, kind of their thinking brain is not online, right? So we're not going to be able to do problem solving, for example, for example, for a kiddo who's having a meltdown and throwing things. Um, so we're just going to focus on, um, on calming and hopefully, and some of the work that we'd want to do ahead is hopefully proactive. So we would know what things help them calm down, right? But some of the things Penny was talking about, like, um, giving them opportunities for deep breathing, modeling that ourselves, coming alongside of them. So not like sending them away to time out, right? But bringing them with us so that we can co-regulate with them, which is an important um, tool to use as co-regulation. As humans, we regulate each other. So, and a lot of our kiddos didn't get that early on. So they need us there to, um, to deregulate that. 
start, you know, to help them regulate, co-regulate. Um, so we would we would work on regulation, keeping people safe until we could get the child calm enough to to move into um, you know a level two, which might be more like giving choices or compromises with with the child, which are skills that we teach kids, um, asking for compromises, um, making choices, things like that. And then the exciting thing to me about TBRI is that we would always hope we would always aim when after a behavioral episode to get back to level one, which is playful engagement, right? So after we've regulated um, and moved moved forward, we would get back to playful engagement, which is a really important step. That's part of that, um, you know, reconnection essentially. So we want to reconnect after behaviors as well. And what would playful engagement look like in that circumstance? Yeah, so it might just, you know, it, and it doesn't have, you don't have to be like a comedian or a super funny person to do <laughs> playful engagement. It's not easy for everybody, but it might just be a simple like, oh, we made it. You know what I mean? We made it through that. So I know for youth who've been through trauma, transitions can be really difficult. Are there any TBRI approaches to dealing with tr transitions? Uh, yeah, uh, it, definitely transitions are like are big for our kids. Um, and so sometimes what we talk to caregivers about is even um, maybe having almost like a routine chart that these are the things that are going to happen for today. Uh, the other thing we talk about is, you know, have talk to children is like, this is what we're going to do next. Um, the, another big thing is um, we see this a lot in in um, the TBRI videos in our in our trainings is that they are letting kids know ahead of time, like ten minutes before we clean up, right? Five minutes before we clean up. So really giving kids forewarning, um, you know, it's like this is what's going to happen, like in the next ten minutes. I was talking with a caregiver recently. Um, and she had been a part of our book club. We do a book club called the, um, with, with the book, The Connected Child. And she shared with us that, you know, usually the morning routine is kind of tough with her daughter. And she shared with us that after, you know, reading this chapter in The Connected Child is like, you know, maybe just go in, touch, get connected with her in the morning and, and like gave her her back a rub and said, you know, it, it looks like you're having a real hard time getting up this morning. You want to lay here? And then she offered her two choices, right? Do you want to lay here for 10, 10 more minutes or do you want to get up now? And the girl chose, you know, 10 more minutes. And so she goes, okay, you know, I'm going to get 10 minutes, then you're, it's time for us to get up. And she said, oh my goodness, it worked. And she said, the amazing thing about that is look at how different the day started instead of their usual routine. It's like, it's time for you to get up now, right? It, and so it's just something as simple as that. It seems like it can have a huge impact. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to leave the audience with? Just how valuable connection is um, and how valuable, um, you know, working on connection and attachment with your children can be and how TBRI can provide tools to to help you build that connection with your child. Um, you know, one of my fellow coworkers and TBRI practitioners said something really cool about TBRI and, and I resonated with it, um, is that TBRI is something that helped her feel okay with who she was as a parent 
and also helped her children feel okay with who she was as a parent. And I thought, wow, that's a simple statement, but really powerful. Um, what it means about understanding about attachment and trauma um, and having some tools to implement it can have an impact on, on your parenting. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Stephanie. An honor to have you on. I hope you got a few takeaways from that. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.